Well, we're starting a brand new series today. I'm glad you guys are here. The message today is called God Hears You, because I think many of us have been praying and saying, God, I just need you right now. It's been a trying year for everyone. I don't care who you are. No one's been untouched by the last 12 months. It's been a difficult season. We've had racial tensions that are very real. We've had a political divide. It's like there's two Americas right now. We've got COVID-19 that's very real as well. And there's just a lot going on. And when you add all that up, many people have been crying out to God, and some people have even been saying, God, are you there? I, I, just, I just need to know you're with me, that you, that you hear me, that you're there to help me. And so we understand what that's like. The Bible actually says God is close to the brokenhearted. So I just want to encourage you that he is there. He does hear your prayers. And so since I know God does hear your prayers, I wanted to talk today about how to pray. Jesus actually taught his disciples how to pray. And I figured Jesus would know how to talk to his own father. So maybe we should take his advice on how to pray as well. So if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 11, is what we're looking at today. As you turn there, or your Bible app, that's great too. As you turn there, uh, I want to just say our mission statement together. We say this every week here. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. Oh, no, no, you guys can do better than that. Let's say it one more time. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services. I also want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses and those watching online. A lot of people are still watching online. Thanks for being with us. Our online campus is absolutely our largest campus at this point. And so thanks for being a part of our services today. So I'm excited about this message because I think all of us want to pray effective prayers because we want God to hear our prayers and he does hear us. Look what they said. They said to Jesus, Jesus, how should we pray? Could you just teach us how to pray? And this is what Jesus said. He said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Now there are five statements that Jesus teaches us on how to effectively pray to God, but the first two have nothing to do with us. The first two have to do with God. And this is important and the reason why is because it sets the stage for the rest of the prayer. Now, it's true God wants to answer your prayer requests, and many times we just dive right into it. Oh, God, would you help me? I need this. I need that. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus said there's actually a more effective way to pray. Start with God before you get to you. And so he says that there's two things we should talk to God about before we begin to pray. It actually sets the tone of your prayer. The first thing is, Father, may your name be kept holy. Or another translation, maybe you've heard it put this way, is hallowed be thy name. How many of you guys have heard that phrase before, right? That's kind of, hallowed's a, name, a word we don't use a lot. So what does hallowed mean? It means we want to revere, we want to respect, we see your name as set apart, as holy, as awesome. And so awesome is awesome. That's what it means. And so we're saying, God, your name means something. And so what you're doing when you, when you do that, you're actually taking time to praise God. You're saying, God, your name is powerful. Your name is above all other names. And I want to recognize that you are God of my situation. So before I even ask you to do anything, I acknowledge, Lord, that you're in charge. You're in control. You're bigger than my problems. You've got this. I want to start with you. In the second part of the prayer, he says, may your kingdom come. What does that mean? It means, God, you have an agenda for me, for this earth to happen. What does the kingdom of God mean? That's kind of a fancy term that we see in the Bible. What is the, Jesus says again and again, the kingdom of God is like this, and then he gives illustrations and stories. But what does it mean? The kingdom of God, in, in essence, is this. God sent his son to die on the cross for you and me to pay the price for our sins. And then he rose again from the grave. Now he waits for you to accept what he's done, to become a Christian. That's how you accept what he's done for you in your heart. And then we are to share that faith with other people. 
That's the kingdom of God in a nutshell, right there. So what he's saying is, God, I want to first acknowledge you, and then I want to ask you to have your will done in my life. Let me tell you why this is important. If your kids came to you, parents, and all they did was ask you for stuff, but every time you asked them for something, they said no, would you be willing to help them out? See, at some point, you'd say, you know what? If you never honor me, if I ask you to take out the garbage, you don't do it. Wash your dishes, you don't do it. Get your homework done, you don't do it. Treat your brother or your sister better, you don't do it. And then you ask me for something, I'd be like, now, if I were to honor your request now, when I've asked you to do some things and you completely blow me off, I would create a spoiled brat. Why would God be any different? So God says, the first thing you do, Jesus, the first thing you do is you acknowledge who God is and you say, may your kingdom come. In other words, God, I want your agenda to happen in my life. So what I'm doing is I'm aligning myself under your authority. Then when I'm under your authority, let me ask you something with your kids, if they're honoring you, doing what you ask, and they do that consistently, then if they ask you for something, do you help them out? Of course you do, right? Because they're already submitted to you at that point. So you have a much higher chance of the Lord blessing you the way you want to be blessed if you are first surrendered to his agenda. But if you're like me, sometimes I'm so busy trying to tell God my will that I forget to ask for his will. So the first thing we were to do is to line up under his agenda and say, God, I acknowledge and I am not, I'm here to serve you. You're not here to serve me. So Lord, what is it that you want with my life? I want to honor you. I want to do what you want me to do. So I want to challenge you with this first thing. The first thing we need to do in our prayer life is this. Number one, find something to praise him for and surrender to his will. The reason I say find something to praise him for is because even if your whole world seems to be crumbling, you say, I can't find anything good in my life right now. First of all, I, I think that's an attitude problem because I bet there are some good things in your life that you can find to praise God for. I mean, you're breathing, aren't you? Praise God for that. Many of you walked in here, right? Praise God for that. We, we have family and friends. Maybe you've lost someone, but there's some people that you haven't lost. So we have things to praise God for. And so find something to praise him for. But even if you can't find anything around you to praise him for, look up, just praise him for who he is. That is worth praising him for. So you got to want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you that you're in charge. I want to thank you that when things don't make sense, you're still in control. And I want to submit to your authority. That's the first step then once you do that, you can confidently say, Lord, I'm honoring you. I'm putting you first in my life. And so now, God, I want to ask you for a few things. And it's okay to do that. God loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you. Before I get to that next part, though, there's a true story of a, a girl named Corey Ten Boone. She, her and her family were taken to a concentration camp in Germany when Hitler, during his regime, she literally watched her parents were slaughtered right in front of her. Her sister slowly was eaten away because she did not have any nutrition. She didn't have the food she needed. And she watched her sister die over several months right in front of her. And th this was a Christian family. And, and one day, Corey said to her sister, Betsy, she said, how can you say God is good when you're dying, when I see you being wasted away right in front of me? And Betsy said to her, oh, Corey, you know God is a loving God. You know he still loves us. His steadfast love is always there for us. This girl was dying, and she's encouraging her sister that God is still a God of love. Let me tell you why I want to bring it up. And by the way, you know what? She died. And I want to bring this up because this is something we don't like to talk about in church, but here's the truth. Sometimes things don't turn out well. Are we willing to be faithful to God even when we don't get the answer we want when we want it? Are we still willing to be faithful to God? 
Billy Graham, a great man of God, he evangelized the whole world, did these massive crusades. And we love talking about that, but did you know the last 10 years of Billy Graham's life, he died slowly of Parkinson's disease? So even the godly, the faithful, it reigns in their life too. So I just want to encourage you that we're not faithful to God because everything always turns out well. We're faithful to God because we're faithful to God. And so are we willing to be faithful to God when we don't get our way, when things don't turn out? Will we still say, God, I love you and I will honor you even if things don't make sense, I will honor you. That is true faithfulness. And sometimes the Lord lets us be tested. We have to trust in the Lord even in those seasons. So God, I'm willing to submit to your will even if I don't understand why this is happening. I will submit to your will. We're still speaking about Corey Ten Boon. 70 years later, and her faith and her sister's faith. So God clearly had a purpose in that. And even though it was a tragic death, within just a second, with a blink of an eye, she was with her father in heaven. I just want to encourage you, in the end, we do win, even when things don't make sense to us. Maybe you've lost someone to COVID, and you say, Lord, it just seems unfair. It probably was unfair, but God's still good. We can trust that the Lord's still there, that he still has us, I just want to encourage you that sometimes our lives don't all wrap up nicely like a 30-minute sitcom. And will we stay faithful to God anyways? Will we surrender to his will? Find something to praise him for and surrender to his will. The next thing he says this. Now you can say this. Jesus says this. Give us each day the food we need. Or another translation says, give us today our daily bread, right? What does that mean? Is there a day that goes by that you're not hungry? I mean, every day I'm hungry. How about you? which means every day we have new needs, right? I've got teenage boys, right? Trust me, they're hungry. My fridge is regularly emptied out. I'm like, we just bought groceries and two days later, they're all gone, all of them, right? I was taking an order the other day from my son, Cole. I was like, what do you want? And he orders all this food. I was like, that's like three meals. He's like, there's one of you. What are you doing, you know? They just keep eating and eating. It's unbelievable, right? And so, so we all are always hungry, right? We're always needing to eat. So that means there's never a day that God doesn't expect you to ask him for something. I've got some good news for you. God's not offended by you asking. That's actually a a sign of worship that you depend upon the Lord. So don't be afraid, number two, to ask for what you need. Ask him. He wants to help you out. He wants to be there for you. By the way, next week, I want to encourage you, next week's message is on unanswered prayer. Maybe you're like, man, there's some things I've been asking God and I have not had an answer. Well, God still hears you, even in unanswered prayer. So be sure to be here next week as Jesus actually taught us what to do when we're not getting an answer. He actually teaches us what to do about that. And so be sure to be here next week because even a prayer Jesus prayed went unanswered. Did you know that? So we're going to talk about that next week. So don't miss next week's message, Unanswered Prayer. There's a guy named Josh McDowell. He's one of my favorite authors, by the way. He wrote a book called More Than a Carpenter. It's one of my favorite books I've ever read. It's an incredible read. You can read it in about an hour and a half. Small book. It's all about proving that there really was, that there really was Jesus and he really rose again from the grave. When he was in college, he was a very intellectual guy. When he was in college, he had several friends that were Christians. It drove him crazy because he thought they were just stupid. He thought, you guys are just stupid to believe in this fictitious God. So he decided that he was going to set out to prove that Jesus never really rose again. He probably wasn't even real. So he began to do all the historical research and all the archaeological research. He ended up becoming a Christian. He actually proved that, that it really was real. And he became a Christian when he was in college. Well, because of that, his mother had passed away when he was in high school, but his father was still alive. Well, once he became a Christian, he went and told his father about the Lord and won his father to Christ. When he was in seminary, 
his father passed away, and it made him think about his mother, and he was longing to know whether his mother was in heaven or not. He was really bothered. He was like, I never talked to my mom about Jesus because I didn't know Jesus at the time. So he was really bothered. He went to pray one time. He was going to seminary out in California at the time. And uh, he was praying. He's like, God, I'm so, I'm just so anxious. I just need to know, Lord, just can you just give me an answer? Is my mom going to be in heaven or not? I just need to know. He was so bothered by this. He decided to drive down to the ocean and just to walk one of the piers and pray and just ask God, just God, I just need an answer. Just give me a definitive answer. He's walking on a pier. This is a true story. He walks to the very end of this really long pier and he's just praying quietly, just saying, God, just please tell me, is my mom in heaven or not? As he gets to the end of the pier, there's all these people along the pier that are fishing. There's an old lady at the end of the pier fishing. And as he's sitting there, just minding his own business, praying silently, the old lady strikes up a conversation. She says, hey, where are you from? He says, oh, I'm from Michigan. And she says, really? He goes, yeah, it's this place called Union City, but, but, but no one really, it was funny. Let me, I want to make sure I get it right. He says, it's this place called Union City. And he said, but no one knows where it is. It's, it's a suburb of, and then she said, Battle Creek. He goes, yeah, yeah, Battle Creek. And she says, hey, you, do you know anybody by the name of last name McDowell? And he was like, well, I'm Josh McDowell. And she says, you're Joshy McDowell? He says, yeah. She says, I knew your mother. I was second cousins to your mother. When we were little girls, we used to play all the time together. He said, you were kidding me. Do, do you know anything about my mom's spiritual life, where she was with God? She says, well, as a matter of fact, when we were little girls, a tent revival came to town, and we went, and on the fourth night, both of us went down front together and accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. Josh, right there in the pier, just yelled out, praise God! He was shocked that God would put him on the end of that pier with his mother's second cousin just to give him the answer that he needed. God hears you, and he will answer your prayers. Tell him what you need. Don't be afraid to tell God whatever it is that you need. And so I like to say, make an ask of yourself. I do this often. I can be a big ask. I'm telling you, I really can. Don't be afraid to ask God for what you need. He wants to answer your prayers, I promise you. Just tell the Lord what you need, and he will be there for you. Ask for what you need. What is it that you need today? Do you need some money? Ask God. He's a provider. Do you need a counselor? God actually said when, when Moses said, who, what, who do I tell them when they say who you are? What do I tell them your name is? He said, just tell them I am. I love that. I need a counselor. God says, I am a counselor. I need resources. I am your resource. I need direction. I am your direction. I need a comforter. I am your comfort. He is whatever you need. Just ask. Your God is there for you. Don't be afraid to ask for the Lord. He will take care of you. It goes on to say this next. This is a big part of the prayer that we need to pray to God. He says, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Did you notice this doesn't say, forgive us our sins and we'll think about forgiving those who sin against us. No, 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 it doesn't say that. It says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God just assumes, Jesus says, if you're going to receive God's forgiveness, you have to give that out too. Now, God forgave you and me when we didn't deserve it. So if you're waiting to forgive someone when they finally ask, you may be waiting a long time. It may never come. Or if you forgive someone when they deserve it, that may never come either. If you forgive someone when they finally quit offending you, so I can't forgive them because I'm still offended by them. Well, you have to learn to forgive while you're offended. So you can still be offended and still need to forgive them. And so I want to encourage you that forgiveness is not because they deserve it. Listen, you don't forgive someone because they deserve it. You forgive someone because you deserve it. Because otherwise you're living in resentment. 
And if you're still mad at someone from your past, it'll affect who you're with today. If you're still mad at your ex, it'll affect who you're married to today. If you're still mad at your former boss, it'll affect your current relationship with your boss. If you're still mad at your friend who betrayed you, it'll affect you trusting your new friendships. Now, please don't confuse this. Don't, don't confuse forgiveness with trust. We didn't say trust them again. Someone broke in your home. You can forgive them for that, but it doesn't mean you give them a key to the house. So you can forgive someone without trusting. And how many of you guys would ever say, but what about the fact that I forgive this person and then they offend me again the next week? You ever had someone like that in your life? That they keep offending you? Don't point at them across the room. We know they may be here, but don't. <laughs> it's true that sometimes they keep offending us, right? You know what Jesus did in that case? He said this, and this is going to shock you, and this is hard to do, but this is what he said. He said, pray for your enemies. So I've learned that if I'll just pray for the person who offends me, pray for the person who's, person who's hurting me, pray for the person talking bad about me, pray for the person who's betrayed me or continues to betray me, just pray for them. What happens is that you begin to see them like God sees them, with compassion, with grace. So I want to encourage you, whoever it is right now that's coming to your mind, you're like, oh, I don't want to pray for them. You're like, okay, I'll pray for them. God, please smite them. That's my prayer for them. Lord, please smite them. No, no, no. In fact, I want to challenge you to pray for something like this. Say, God, please bless them. Please give them success. Please let them be happy. If you'll begin to pray those kind of prayers, it begins to change your heart towards them as well. So I just want to encourage you to pray for your enemy, forgive them. What does this mean? Number three, receive and give forgiveness. It can be hard to do, I understand that, but when you set someone free from being angry at them, you actually set yourself free. So I want to encourage you to do that. When you take that key of forgiveness, you unlock the, the door and you open it up and you think you're letting them out in your mind, you actually let yourself out. You're the one that was locked in the prison of anger. So I want to encourage you, let it go. Forgive them. Don't carry that resentment any longer. Your life is worth it. And so let it go. Yeah, they hurt you. They may not deserve forgiveness. You didn't either. I don't deserve forgiveness from God, but he forgives me anyways. In fact, the Bible says his mercies are new every day, which means my mercies need to be new every day for that person too. So if his mercies are new for me, then my mercies need to be new, new for someone else as well. So forgive them. It really will set you free. And then Jesus says something so brilliant. I have to just park on this last one that he says is something we should be praying and this will really change your life. I promise you. He says, and don't let us yield to temptation. Another translation says, help us to avoid temptation. The best way to overcome temptation in your life is to not be in it. In other words, Jesus is so smart. He's like, he, he says this. He says, look, the best way to overcome your temptation is just don't, don't go anywhere near it. <laughs> just, just avoid it. And, and so if you find yourself in the wrong place, that's when you fall into the wrong thing. So just don't go to the wrong place, right? In Proverbs 6 or 7, I always forget right where it's at, but there's a young man it talks about that says that he's not living in wisdom. And so he walks down the street and goes by the wrong girl's house. And so it doesn't say he did wrong just doing that but he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, which meant that he fell into temptation when she showed up out, outside the door. Hey, you're the one I'm looking for. And then, of course, you know what happens next. So it's like the guy who tells me, man, pastor, I don't know how you overcome temptation. Man, I'm in the club and this girl's all up on me and I can't overcome that temptation. Well, I don't go to the club and I don't have some girl up on me. <laughs> That's how you overcome that temptation. You don't go near it. I mean, <laughs> I probably couldn't overcome that either. Like just... In other words, like you need to admit, you have to have the courage to be a coward. Admit where you shouldn't be, 
because you're probably going to fall into something. Just stay away from that completely. The reason I will not be beat or pummeled to death by Conor McGregor is because I will not get in the ring with Conor McGregor. (laughs) So the way to successfully overcome temptation is to not go near it. Does that make sense? So you say, God, help me to avoid this temptation. We all, we're all like a little battery. And, uh, you know, our battery drains by the end of the day. This is also why I believe we get tempted a lot of times late at night, why you're, you're tired. The devil knows that. You have a little battery left. And so oftentimes t- you get tempted. And, and, and so you say things or you do dumb things. My dad taught me a long time ago. He said, just be home by midnight. Why? Why, dad? Come on. You know, you know like teenagers. Why, why, why? And he said, because nothing good happens after midnight. Boy, was he right. And so just, just, you know, just avoid temptation and your battery, your willpower gets drained. And so he says, just, just stay away from the wrong things. Just don't go hang out with the wrong people, go to the wrong places. And so if you can do that, that's half of the success you need. All of us like Superman have kryptonite somewhere in our lives. You just need to know what you need to avoid. But what we typically do is we ride the line. We're like, oh, no, I'm good. I mean, I haven't done anything wrong. No, but you ride along the edge of it. So all it takes is one wrong step and you fall into something foolish. So the Bible doesn't just say to do right versus wrong. It says to live in wisdom. Wisdom says if this is a dangerous edge, just don't go near the edge. Just avoid it altogether. And so there's certain places that you're tempted, certain ways, and when you're around certain people, just avoid those kinds of places and those kinds of people, and you will find great success in this. So I just want to encourage you, ask for God's help to avoid temptation, and that really will set you free because half the battle is not being in the battle. There's enough battles that are going to come your way that you can't avoid. So have enough wisdom to know what to avoid. For example, the Bible says not to over-indebt yourself, not to go into debt, foolish debt, right? And so I just want to encourage you, what does that mean? That means if you're spending every penny you have, it's not wrong, but is it wise? No, because all of a sudden you break an arm, you get in the fender bender, you weren't expecting those things to happen, and now all of a sudden now you've got to go into debt to cover something. So it's not wrong to spend every penny you have, but is it wise? No, you're riding the financial line. But if you'll just step back and say, I'm just going to spend a little less than I have so that I can save up something, that's wise. So I just want to encourage you in the same way, create some margin, put some space between you and your temptation. If you will do that, it will help you succeed in those particular areas of your life. Last thing I want to tell you is a story True story about a lady named Dr. Helen Rosevere. She was a missionary in Zaire. This is, you know, 70, 80 years ago. And uh, she had a hospital and an orphanage. Oftentimes those go together in third world countries because oftentimes people will just drop their children off the hospital because they cannot afford the child. So she has this orphanage as well as a hospital. A lady with her daughter comes to the hospital. She's very pregnant. She comes to give birth. She has a little five-year-old girl with her already. She gives birth to a little girl, but in birth, she dies. So now there's a baby that does not have a mother and a little five-year-old, and the baby was not doing well. And of course, you, you know that you know, a mother's touch and the mother's nursing is, is critical to the life of that baby. And they really needed an incubator. They did not have one. And they had one water bottle that was busted beyond repair. So they couldn't create a hot water bottle, which keeps the baby warm, which becomes an incubator for the baby to be able to live. And so the missionary didn't know what to do. So she went to all the children in the orphanage and told them of the situation. She said, would you pray with me? 
And the orphans gathered together to pray for this little baby and the daughter who had lost her mother as well. And so in the, before they were about to pray, one of the girls that was old enough to understand what was going on said to her, she said, let's pray that God will bring an, a water bottle today for the baby. She said, not tomorrow because the baby will die tomorrow. But if God brings a water bottle today, the baby will live. And so don't you love the faith of a child? And so here is Dr. Helen Rosevere. She's like, wow, I'm getting schooled in faith by this little girl, right? And the little girl said, let's pray and let's also ask God to bring a baby doll for the sister. Okay, sure. So they gather, they all grab hands, they gather together and they pray. And the little girl prays. She says, God, please bring a water bottle for the baby to live and bring a doll for her sister. And we pray, amen. A couple hours later, a shipment comes in from England. It's a true story. Now understand, they didn't have Amazon back then. They didn't have fast shipping. This would take months to get anything. There was a group of ladies at a, at a church in England in a Sunday school class that knew of this orphanage that decided to gather different items and put them in a giant crate and ship it at their expense to this orphanage. The shipment comes in, they open it up, and as they're digging through it, all the little children gather around there and they're just dying to know what's in this thing and they're praying that a water bottle's in this. And sure enough, they go through some clothes, different things, and sure enough, there is a water bottle of all things in this shipment. The little girl sees a water bottle and she says, if God provided a water bottle, he's gonna provide a doll too. They kept digging and sure enough, in the shipment was the water bottle and a baby doll for the five-year-old girl. That happened five months before they even prayed and knew they needed it. And I've got good news for you. Before you even pray, God has already got a shipment of what you need being sent your way before you even pray. God hears you. God hears you. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would we just take a moment to pray? God knows what's going on in your marriage. God's fully aware of your depression. God hears you in your addiction. God hears you in your loneliness. God hears you when you cry out to him and you say, I don't have anyone, God. No one understands what I'm going through. God says, oh, I do. I do. I hear you. And I will answer your prayer. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, ask God for what you need right now. And see if your God does not come through for you. He will. He will provide all that you need. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, before you even asked for a Savior, God sent his son. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, all the wrong things we've done. He died for all that. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray right now. You can receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Just pray this prayer with me out loud. You can just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, no one's looking around at all of our campuses right now. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you lift your hand high? We just want to pray for you. The only person looking around is our campus pastor, so we can pray for you. Thank you. Just keep your hand high. Praise God. Thank you. I see those hands all across our, 
our, our campuses. Thank you. I see that hand in Stone Oak. We see that hand right now at Padre Island. Praise God. Keep your hand up. We see that hand raised even in your home. You're watching online right in front of your TV. Praise God. We see that hand. Keep your hand up. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for that decision you made. That's what it means to be a Christ follower, to be a Christian. You're now in the family of God. Jesus will never leave you once you've prayed that simple prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Keep your hand high. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, thank you, God, that you hear our prayers. We thank you for those who are now new believers in Christ that have accepted you into their heart. Thank you that you'll never leave them. You'll never forsake them. We thank you for that, God. And one day when we pass away, we know we will go to heaven because we prayed a simple prayer of faith to receive you as our Savior. Thank you for this time. And thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.